What's up, world? This is Clark the Shark. You're listening to The Podcastle. Reminding you that we have a special offer going on. Go to hosssauce.com. That's Hoss Sauce Heat You Can Handle. Enter in promo code PODCASTLE15. That's PODCASTLE15, all one word, and you get 15% off any order. It's going on now through the end of the year. It's a pretty sweet deal. We've talked about these guys before. We've had them on the show. It's excellent, excellent hot sauce, three different flavors, and now you can save even more from their already low prices. Go to hossauce.com, enter in PODCASTLE15, any order will be discounted 15%. Stay classy. Keep listening to the podcastle. Just take those old records off the shelf. I said listen to them by myself. Today's music ain't got the same soul. I like that old Happy Saturday, Robert. It is Set Jetter Saturday, and it is November 21st, 2001. Good to see you. We're doing a bit of a later show today, but I like it. You had a chance to get food tonight. Where did you go in Omaha, Nebraska? Um, it's a new place. So we just moved to a new house in a new area of town. So it's called Little Borough. And so it's a Mexican place. Every time we told people we were moving, they said, oh, get Little Borough, Little Borough. And so we finally decided to, to go pick it up. So if I fall into a food coma halfway through, I apologize. For- what, what kind of food is it? What kind of, is this American fare? It's uh, Mexican. Me- oh, American Mex- Mexican version, I guess I would say so. Yeah, I got How's the, the vegetarian food, combination, and it came in like two large styrofoam, and I'm like, why? Well, I, I ate one of the styrofoam, or you know, <laughs> I ate half of it, so that, that was enough. Are you are you a vegetarian? Um, I'm a pescatarian, so oh, cool. I, when I gave up meat, I didn't want to give up salmon, and I didn't want to give up sushi. So, oh yeah, uh, see, I could I could do the pescatarian thing without those two if i could still eat salmon and um i'm sorry i would be the vegetarian i would be a pescatarian for that reason alone is the sushi yes i just couldn't give up Uh, but we got some some great stuff to talk about tonight uh i want to bring up first the last episode we both watched darby o'gill and the little people (laughs) i am so because i haven't seen this movie since i was i saw it as a kid and then i watched a part of it like 10 years ago at a friend's house. We were shoot, shooting a sketch and I, I was like, well, what was that movie with that scary banshee? Because he's like a Disney maniac and he's like, Darby will go and the little people, I own it. This is before like Disney Plus and everything and I'm like, uh, let's watch it. So I watched a little bit and I had to go but I am, I was suppress- pleasantly surprised at how good the special effects are in that movie for 1959. Yeah, I, um, I kept looking and I was, you know, the screen and i think afterwards i looked up some behind the scenes shots because i'm like how did they do this it was all uh too good and obviously this was well before uh, blue screen and and things like that and they just had everything kind of just right on the kind of uh the kind of i guess more or less optical illusions how they could yeah set up absolutely yeah the trick photography in there where I, it was still hard for me to pinpoint how they did some shots like obviously it was it was two filmed um, scenes that they spliced together to make Darby look like a you know a normal person and the little people yeah. look. But it, it didn't look like bad. Like I've seen things made in the eighties and nineties that were, looked a lot worse. You couldn't find the seam all the time. Usually you can say, "Oh, here's where they split it," and sometimes it's pretty obvious in in, in movies. And and this one, um, yeah, I'm not sure uh, what they did. I wonder if that won any awards for special effects i'm gonna have to look that up because surprisingly it has a hundred percent rating on rotten tomatoes Mm. which is like kind of rare 
Um, but it's it's it, it actually kind of makes sense because it's not such a mainstream movie where if you watched it, you probably like the movie. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Sean Connery's in it, and the scene where the leprechaun, the king, is on like Katie's bed, and he kind of like slides down. It looks. It, it was very good. I don't know if they did like they spliced it in or it was a model uh yeah. of a huge bed but it it worked and like for 1959 it really held up visually i think it, it makes you wonder uh for audiences uh back then where they just kind of astounded by it um or because i just know yeah. now we can we can see anything on the screen that that's kind of new and even the best of cgi we just kind of shrug it off like mm-hmm, that's you know we don't right think, right think too much about it yeah we don't think too much about it and we kind of give some liberties to the filmmakers if we like it. Like, all right, whatever, they did this. But, uh, yeah, it held up. It, it's, it's a perfect, as you put it, going-to-bed movie. It, it was. And I think I did, it, I did watch that before I went to bed. And I think I did stay awake for the whole thing. So. Did you? Yeah. Sean Connery's my next question? Look, he's looking good in that movie. Who's that? Sean Connery. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's good. And, uh, you know... Um, the little people look like a lot of fun when uh, Darby's playing the fiddle and they're all dancing and you're getting wishes. Like, that sounds like a pretty good deal. Like, let's stay with them. Uh, uh, but yeah, we got a lot to go into tonight. Uh, it is the 30th anniversary of Predator 2 um, today. Yep, correct, correct. And I, I'm checking out the photos on the website. Uh, you, the website needs no introduction, listeners, but if you need a refresher, it's set dash jetter.com and uh predator 2 was actually the first predator movie i ever saw as a kid like it was, i think it was probably like 92 and it was on you know hbo or something but yeah um i know it gets a lot of crap but it, it's a good flick i always liked it I, it's really dark especially the opening sequence it helped it held up pretty well and i think yeah we've had some a lot of kind of crappy predator sequels since then <laughs> And looking back, I thought, you know, this one actually kind of holds up pretty well for what they were trying to do. They wanted to kind of do the reverse uh, from, and I, and I, and somebody commented on my Instagram that they love the opening shot where it's jungle, 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 and you're thinking this is Predator, where you're just going back to the jungle again, and then it, uh, it's obviously uh, outside Griffith Park, and they kind of pan up to to downtown Los Angeles, and uh, it was just a perfect opening. It is. It's such a cool shot too, Griffith Park. Uh, the 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 pollution and the smog in Predator Two is very telling of the air quality in Los Angeles at the time. Absolutely, you where you couldn't really breathe. It was the, always that that eighties uh, kind of constant <laughs> haze of, uh, and that obviously L.A. still has its uh, fair share of uh, a bad air quality, but uh, but not like it used to be at all. I remember the first time I flew into L.A. Uh, and sometimes you get sold this. Literally, you can just as the plane goes through, you can. Fly, you can tell when you're flying through the, the smog, this kind of darkish gray, whatever, and then it kind of clears out. Right, yeah, you can tell it's choking itself. But yeah, the the photos that you took on this trip for Predator 2, what year were you out here filming these? Oh, that was like six, seven years ago at least. Yeah. So oh, really? They're pretty old photos that I kind of stitched together. Sometimes you can tell if shots don't line up quite right um, that uh, it, it was wild where I wasn't very good at bringing my my shot list to the set um and then sometimes um as you know downtown you just you get the shots you can and you get out of there yeah i do like there is a 
police car. I think it's like a 1990 Chevy Lumina that somehow the LAPD fitted to be a cop car, and it's ridiculous looking, but it's great that that was actually a thing. Yeah. Like that minivan. Um, but yeah, the, the photos are really good. The opening after uh, they segued from Griffith Park and they give the illusion that it's in the jungle, and then um, the police show up at the you know the scene and they find all the like the skin bodies in that uh, in the room on the roof. Yeah, um, still really creepy even to this day because I watched it not too long ago, and um, yeah, it gets you. It's like it's pretty brutal right from the start. Danny Glover's. Uh, you know that opening sequence. No, I, I I agree, and it's uh it is disturbing, and it's kind of obviously it was just not too long after Hellraiser, so skin bodies. I mean, skin bodies just creepy. Are they uh, in Hellraiser? I never saw. What's that? I've never seen Hellraiser. Is, are there a lot of that in there? Uh, we'll we'll put that on your your homework list. So <gasps> it, I've always it, been it, kind of scared to watch Pinhead. I've always heard it was like very scary. It's funny, you know. I was too scared to see it in the theaters at the time. Uh, because I just, as much oh, really? as I, we're just verging on lo- loving horror movies, but you do, yeah. some of these movies used to kind of have a, a story, kind of a story around them. And it's like, it's going to be too scary for you to see. So I'm like, I'll just, I'll just stay away from that. Like Blair Witch. People are yeah. like, it's, it's, it's real. And it's so scary. Not that scary, but kind of scary. And Predator 2 has one of my favorite scenes where um, I can't remember if the King Fangs, uh, he's like screaming and. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they have that shot of they kind of pull back out of its mouth, and you realize that he's been beheaded, and it was just like a per- perfect shot. It is perfect, and you kind of see it coming, but you don't, yeah. and you're like, they're not going to go there, and then they do. You're talking about like the drug kingpin guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a great shot, actually. Um, so I want to I want to see more Predator Two. What's that? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I said the script is actually it was really written to be in New York. Um, so they wanted to go truly oh. urban. And so there's parts, I, you kind of feel like you kind of see that. So obviously, um, um, L.A., yeah. especially at the time, is not known for their subway. <laughs> I can, I, yeah, the subway thing is very telling because there's not a lot of shots of, like, them in Hollywood or at the beach. It's very, now that you mention that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, L.A.'s not known for the subway. It's like Omaha known for wearing their masks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's terrible. It's just not known for that. No, um, but it kind of felt like some some of that was kind of kind of shoehorned in, and then of course Predator Two yeah. is, is is also kind of launched the idea of uh, taking place in the same universe as Alien, uh, because the I don't yes. know if it was a prop guy or we kind of decided to put the uh, the alien uh, skull uh, on the ship. Yeah, I uh, I can I can definitely see that, and I wish we had more Predator Two kind of sequels rather than the Alien versus Predator. Because I'm a, I'm an alien purist. Like I love the first. I I even like Alien Three. Then they got weird. I know it's it's a weak movie, but then they got really weird with Resurrection. And then Alien versus Predator was cool in the, for me in the novel effect that all right they're on screen. It's your Freddy versus Jason. Maybe yeah. they waited a little too long, but they're in Antarctica and okay. But then they 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 went to like Colorado, and it it just got too like, I don't know. It, it just got too cheap. Like it, it seemed forced. What, what do you think about those? I know I agree. The versus, and I think both. Was there just two Alien versus Predators? If I remember. Yeah. Um, right. To me, they were both pretty weak, and I think right. one was PG thirteen. I think that was kind of part of it. 
and not that it, you need to kind of gross out to kind of make it uh, a good movie, but well, it, they just didn't bring it. If you're going to do a versus, if it needs to be one plus one needs to equal three when you're when you're doing it, and it never is. Right, exactly, and they they, they just could have done so much more. And I just want to refresh the listeners: Predator Two has an all star cast. Um, Danny Glover, Gary Busey, Bill Paxton's in it, Robert Davi, Alan Silvestri, I didn't realize this, did the music. Um, I've always said he's like in my top 10. I mean, you know him from Back to the Future and Forrest yeah. Gump. Oh, absolutely. Mainstream listeners, but um, I don't know. It's I just, I enjoy Predator too. I'm glad that you posted this today. It's very fitting that, uh, that um, this came up because I just watched it not too long ago and... Um, yeah, it's just one of those movies. It's nice to re- revisit. Yeah, and I quickly put my page together today based on the. <laughs> Did you? Photos, yeah, because it's. I was like, I got up and I was looking at the account and I'm like, oh crap, I need to. I should. I should put together, especially if it's on a, a five or ten year anniversary. I'm like, well, I definitely have to do it. Yeah. Uh, now and then, and I go back and like it. It was hard that, uh, that alley that I found where, obviously, I had to go to the top of the building. Um, uh, but it's hard to get those wide-angle shots with your uh, uh, your camera, you know, to kind of truly gonna get uh, the same exact shots. But you're talking about the alley on Harlem Place in Seventh Street? Uh, oh no, the uh, near the end where uh, the, it kind of takes where he uh, Danny Glover is climbing down a pole and it crashes over to another building. And yeah, 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 yeah. I'm looking at that. It's um, you got you got the shots you did very well. I tried, and the How cemetery, did... of course. I'm. Uh, there, there, I think I told you before, there'd be stretches where I feel like I'm in cemeteries all the time. Uh, you do <laughs> visit the, the grave sites a lot. Yeah, looking Which tombstone you have to. by tombstone. And, um, and sometimes they, like, they, this one did, I remember it did a bad job of, they, uh, there's a couple of tombstones you could see, they just kind of covered up. They just, they look, they look blank on film, and then in real life, there actually is names on them. But um, they put some flowers in front of one, so I, I was able to figure it out. Oh, yeah. That Hollywood does that a lot. They cover up. I think we talked about it in the last show. They cover up tombstones a lot, to, or or decorate yeah. them, I should say, for for like you know obvious reasons. And um, they should just have a fake Hollywood cemetery that people can just film at. Hollywood but, Forever is almost the fake cemetery. <laughs> it's true. It's also uh, a very haunted cemetery. Uh, I did take the night tour there. I did the Paramount After Dark tour. It's creepy. Uh, you did the Paramount Studios at night, and then uh, part of the the cemetery as well. And then I know I that's my cool. Years ago, we went to uh, Hollywood Forever has a cemetery tour uh, by the, the lady all in black as well. Oh yeah, Valentino. Yes. When when you post these, uh, let's take Predator Two as our study case here. When you post a new entry, um, well, first of all, you've posted these Predator Two before, have you not? Uh. Years ago in my blog. Um, okay. So in my blog, I just have like, here's some photos, here's some screenshots. Um, they weren't really matched up or I don't really, you know, I just literally th- threw them out there and and I, I wouldn't put addresses and people would get annoyed because I wouldn't have time. <laughs> yeah, I've always wondered about the addresses because I've seen sites do that. We're like, this is the house of Silver Spoons. It's at 119 Clydesdale Avenue in Bushwick, Illinois. And you're like, all right, I guess we're having visitors, honey. Um, but my question is when you post like an entry, how long does it take you to usually do this to look at your notes, 
do you post all the photos that you take or do you have like a thousand and you post the best ones? Like how does this whole process of posting work so, for you? Uh, so during COVID, uh, I had enough downtime where I didn't have um, evening events and stuff like that. And I finally went through and um, kind of uh, categorized all my photos. And so um, I'm, ju I'm just looking. So I, literally I went through every photo album I had um, and made, I'm just looking, over 2,160 entries. Oh, my gosh. Different locations. So, so I'll put, like, oh September, you know, uh, 2019, uh, Dennis's house, Christine. And then, like, every, I literally cataloged every, not every photo, obviously, but every. 2,100? That's, that's a lot of stuff to go would, through. It is. It's a lot. Because I'd be going through, because I would, like, if I didn't have it kind of ready to go, I'd be like, oh, when did I go to that cemetery? And which version? You know, I'd be looking photo as ever photo. Yeah. It just got to be uh, uh, too much. I don't blame you. I would imagine cemeteries could be among the most difficult because graves look like graves to me. And if you have been to like 20 cemetery locations and you're trying to remember which one they were versus which film they were, because a lot of films were filmed with the same one, like the cemetery in the movie, The Mask, or not The Mask, uh, Mask, uh, with Cher, was used, I know, in like 30 movies, at least from the 80s. It, th that's probably pretty tough to do, right? I think so, and I think that was Evergreen Cemetery, where Elm Street 1 and 3 were shot. Have you and ever done the ma have done, done Mask? I have not. I have not. Hmm. Because I, I know Taft High that. School, which is next to where I work, um... So you can come stalk me at work, listeners. Okay. Uh, it was used in Mask. That was like the high school. It's also used in a bunch of other ones. I didn't know if you ever did Mask. I feel like you could probably take old photos you did anyway and just match them up because they're, they're probably not very hard to find. I, I have done that sometimes where I recognize that I'm like, oh, I've actually been there. And it just kind of works out that I you, you have. And you also mentioned that in some of your posts. And I appreciate that because you, you'll say, uh, I'll look at a photo of something you did. And I'll be like, that's in something. And then you'll scroll down, I'll scroll up and I'll see, uh, this was also the cemetery used in Back to the Future 2 or 3 when he finds out his dad. And you're like, oh, that's what it was. So you kind of like help out the ADHD fans of your site by like posting that or else it'll drive me crazy. Yeah, I almost did that today because I know Angeles Rosedale Cemetery was used in uh, One Dark Night, uh, Dark Man, uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Um, so it, this one has been used in, in quite a bit. You mentioned um, Predator, I'm sorry, Hellraiser needs to go on my homework list. I feel like we need to publicly on the show create homework for me to do. Um, and then I can follow up with you and you, I can, you can keep me honest with the listeners. I, if I, I actually watched watch Gill for you. So. Right. I mean, we're doing homework. So I think I need to watch, I'm going to write this down. Hellraiser I need to watch. Does it, is, does it hold up visually? Is it going to freak me out? Um. I don't think it would freak you out. It's one of those, it's not quite what you think. So, and Hellraiser, Hellraiser 2 is kind of, I always kind of felt like was the Elm Street 3 of Hellraisers. Oh. And then Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth, I, I kind of, I kind of like, it's kind of a little bit of a guilty pleasure, but you're, you're verging into uh, Dream Master, Dream Child, not quite Freddy's Dead territory, but. <laughs> right. Well, what is? Yeah, I guess, Hopefully. and then I think Bloodline, that's when it's, Part of it's Hellraiser in space, so you, they they kind of go the the. Jason. I've seen Bloodline. I lie to you. I have seen Bloodline. Um, 
it was on like uh, HBO or something like that or Cinemax like a few years back. And I remember I did watch that. That's the that's the one in space with like the cube and it gets kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of flash. I can't remember if that one takes place because it goes back in time. Yeah. Some present day and then forward and yeah. I wasn't really huge on that movie. Maybe I should rewatch it. I it's probably not right. Oh, so it is bad. Bloodline? Yeah, I don't think I. I only watched it a couple times. Okay, I remember thinking it was really bad, and maybe that's why I didn't watch the other ones. Yeah. Would that be like watching Freddy's Dead without seeing the rest and judging the whole series on one movie? I would say yes. So okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I will watch Hellraiser. The original one, Clive Barker, was in 1987. Okay. Um, so back to Predator Two. You you got some great shots here on the site. Um, would you fare Predator Two as strong as? Predator 2 to Predator, as strong as Aliens was to Alien? No. Not even close, right? I don't think so. I mean, Aliens is... Um, I'm older than you, so I think I was I was 16 when that came out, and I saw it opening night. Um, we had a theater called Indian Hills, and it was a... Not a panoramic cinema, but it was kind of one of those big curved screens, and uh, oh, either, cool. yeah, there was just nothing like... I was like... One of those movies, I did have hair then. It felt like you'd, your hair was back. Uh, it was that good. Yeah. Well, and it's one of those ones that kind of ramps up and up and up um, that it just never kind of lets off the pedal. Um, no. Amazing. It's such a ride, Aliens. I'll still watch it to this day every every so often. I'll probably watch Aliens like twice a year. And I just it's just such a great flick. Um, I enjoy the first one just as much. It's not as fun as a ride. And it's a different kind of movie. It's more suspenseful, where Aliens is more like action, but I don't know. Every scene in Aliens is just good. It just keeps going and going, and it just it gets better. Building on top of each other, um, and to the point of kind of the ultimate climax, and then, and you kind of, I, I think we knew it wasn't quite over, you know, when the space, you know, they took off the planet, and, uh, oh, that's right, because right. it's going to be a, a cloud the size of Nebraska. Uh, and <laughs> right. so, of course... Those things get a big chuckle when you're in Nebraska. <laughs> oh, I couldn't imagine. Yeah. Um, and then I love that the reference whole, um, too. Uh, the Queen uh, fight at the end, and that had great special effects too. I mean, yes. I look back and I was like, I look back how they did that without CGI, and of course, there's a couple of shots that it is now you kind of kind of see through the. Uh, yeah, they... like when the ships are coming into the atmosphere, and it, it just looks kind of cheesy. But but I agree. Yeah, the special effects are great, and even the sequence where she's like, she got the flamethrower and the grenade launcher, and she's you know firing the grenades at the eggs, and they're like exploding with the blood and or pus or whatever yeah. is in those things. Um, I mean, th- th- that's great. If that's a great effects department right there to put Absolutely. that together. Um, Predator Two is the more I look at your uh, entry on this, the more I can see what you mean about them wanting to film this in New York. Um, but so I wonder why they didn't do, you know, I think it was probably too expensive. Uh, it just, it's expensive to shoot in New York. Could be. Uh, yeah. And this is supposed to take place. I forget. It's supposed to take place in 1997. I don't know why they chose seven years ahead. Oh yeah. They do that. It's always kind of funny when they do that. Like RoboCop is a little bit in the future or in the future. Yeah. So they just take like modern for the time Ford Tauruses and paint them black. And they're like, these are the police cars. And I don't know. It never works like this. this you can get away with like if it's in the it's if it's in like 10 years in the future, you can you can pretty much get away with it. But 
don't you agree any film that tries to do a futuristic movie aside from you know like star wars or something really in the future yeah even though star wars was a long time ago um you can't get away with it because all you have to do is look at the computers like aliens is a perfect example that it's like you know uh seven centuries in the future or whatever and they're still using analog keyboards and bullets and it just i don't know yeah i get past that pretty quickly but it is funny when they do that I do. Th- I remember laughing out loud in the theater. We went to see Class of 1999, which was a sequel to Class of 1984, and I think that came out in '89 or something like that. So I remember their cars. They just kind of added some wheel bumpers, and it was, right. it was just to try to pretend it's somewhat futuristic. It just no offense to the filmmakers, but uh, right. It's kind of like Back to the Future in 2015 when they had flying cars, and then yep. they explained that. Recently, like in the last five years, Christopher Lloyd shot that video saying that there was a, they had to like, they didn't do that because they turned out to be exploding. So they had to, to alter that, that future, which was kind of cool. Yeah, there's, there's ways, but you're right. They never quite get it right. They either go way too far in technology or not quite far enough. Exactly. Um, so I encourage the listeners to check out Predator 2. This looked like, uh, all of your entries are really good. But this one, I mean, you really took your time, it looks like, lining up shot for shot. And for those who have been living under a rock, I just want to explain Robert's site, set-generator.com. What he does is film and um, document the filming locations and shot for shot, uh, the real-life filming locations, and match them up so you can see. And it's quite the visual experience as a fan. And you do a really good job. It's not easy to do. Uh, and it's very time consuming, I would imagine. It is. I really, it, it's, it's hard if I'm not quite in the mood to do it. <laughs> and there's a deadline coming up, and I was just like, oh, this, this is work. But it's choresome. Yeah. You do a great job, though. Thank um, you. So I encourage the listeners to check out Predator 2. Uh, you mentioned on our little texting thread Unbreakable. Yes, tomorrow is <gasps> the 20th anniversary of Unbreakable, which, on one hand, time is just flipping by so uh, good yeah but, i know i feel so old <laughs> you feel old i feel so um, sad it is uh and i don't think i i saw the sixth sense in the theater and for some reason i missed i don't think i saw this in the theater i saw it right as soon as it came on video and i remember when okay. m night shamalan had the sixth sense obviously you know he was at his peak or whatever and then you come in with the expectations and I think Unbreakable at the time didn't quite hit that, but it's one of those films that I've, it's kind of it's um, it's kind of simmered a little bit in time and, and has gotten better, um, I think. Or the I agree. Rewatching Unbreakable next to Signs, I guess after Signs, because Signs I'm biased to because it was filmed like right next to my parents' house, uh, is my favorite movie by him, and I think it's such an underrated movie, and Tarantino agrees with me. We've talked about that. No, we haven't. But he 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 agrees. It's like his best work. Um, if Unbreakable came out in 2019 or 2018, uh, it would have been a billion dollar movie easily. Just the whole superhero thing. Um, it, it it really hasn't been done before that in that way. And uh, I feel like it's ahead of its time. That movie for yeah, any of its flaws, yeah, like The Boys and uh, right superheroes in real life. This is what it would look like, and and this is what it was was kind of verging on. 
And it's gritty. Um, do you think glass? What was your opinion on glass? Oh, disappointed. I <laughs> was it too much on the nose with the superhero stuff? It it was too much on the nose. There wasn't enough. And I went to um, a, a triple feature uh, and with my my mentee because um, and he had not seen. I don't think he had seen any of them. I, I can't remember. Oh, he's, he saw a Split, and so I think the triple feature was Unbreakable, oh. Split, and then Glass as kind of. The, That's pretty cool though. Yeah, so it was like, um, it, it, it just, then it kind of felt like you're watching diminishing returns. So. I know, <laughs> and I, I felt I felt like Glass spent too much time in the mental hospital, and it was kind of like they kind of dumped it down and insulted insulted the listeners, or the listeners, the viewers, by like this is an origin story and he's the villain and that's why, and this is the part where and it's like, all right, Shyamalan, we get the symbolism. Um, but I think, it, yeah, I felt like it was too on the nose with the superhero stuff where if they didn't emphasize it, people would understand that anyway and maybe appreciate it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Unbreakable, though, is still one of my favorite movies. And I, it's just so well done. And, you know, the alliteration of David Dunn, you know, like a Peter Parker or Bruce Banner. Um, it was just cool. And, you know, I love any film of his that's shot around Philadelphia. Um, just like, you know, the, the, the backdrop. It's just grittier, and I, I don't know. I just think it's such a good film. It was so well done. And these photos I took, I think it was 2012 or 2015. I can't remember. So, um, so you know, I, we talked about me following Madonna around. So, of course, when she's in Philadelphia um, uh, on the, the days off or during the days, I would I just literally kind of walk around or, or sometimes take the train. Uh, yeah. Location. So I had between that sixth sense and... Uh, I mean, the happening. It's happening. <laughs> it's happening. I do like your entry in the happening. You're like, I couldn't really film a lot of kids because of kids, but here's yeah. them. That you know, <laughs> the unbreakable shots. Though you were at the uh, University of Penn, mm-hmm. um, the football field, which uh, is cool. That's a cool building in its own. It's from the 1920s, I think, maybe earlier. Um, but you did a great job with the uh, unbreakable set as well. The filming locations. Yeah, thank you. I know. So Franklin Field, I think, I know I wasn't really supposed to be in there, and I think eventually I got shooed away, if I remember right. Yeah, how did you get in there? I think there, there was an open gate, and so you just, I sometimes you just walk with confidence and uh, <laughs> act like... Did you're... they shoo you away? Was it like a security guard? I think so. It was like, people usually say, can I help you with anything or whatever? I'm like, no, I'm fine, and then I just kind of walk away. I usually don't make it. Right, that, you got shooed away, but you got good shots, though, for yeah, being get, in there for limited get, time. Yeah, I get my pictures, so that that's why if you see me with if I have my camera around my neck and my finger on the button and I'm just taking pictures the whole time. So it, even if I it may not look like I'm taking pictures, it's kind of my sneaky way. Oh, so if it's just kind of dangling? Yeah, so it'd be like around my neck and if I just put it on the uh the sports shutter, so it's just, Yeah, of course. You know, like and so I'll just be taking pictures and just kind of turning around and uh It's actually brilliant. I've never thought about that. I remember I did that at the Tiki Motel uh, from Terminator 1 um, that uh, oh. they, I, I started taking pictures, and it's kind of a scary little place anyway. And so uh, the guy, as I went, I was like, can I help you? And I'm like, I just want to take some pictures. And he's like, I have to ask my manager. I'm like, okay, I'll just, I'll just wait. <laughs> and I'm just kind of walk, walking around the parking lot, taking some pictures. And the manager said no. I'm like, all right, thanks. And I work, you know. And I you got, got it. I got all my pictures I needed. 
from I would need a refresher on that hotel. I know exactly what you're talking about, but that was like a seedy looking hotel, right? Yeah, and it's exactly like it looks in the movie. Or oh, okay. Worse now, yeah. So that's pretty crazy. Unbreakable. Um, uh, Franklin Field. You you were there obviously for uh, um, getting some shots. Are the staircases where you know, glass falls down. Was yep. that also at the stadium or was that somewhere else? That's actually right category of the stadium. So that's, uh, uh, surprisingly, uh, as, as you know, sometimes in, in movie world, um, they turn the corner and they're 12 miles away. But uh, yeah. this is actually right as the walk crosses that uh, street. This is the, the same uh, uh, stairwell. That he oh, called. it was actually the same proximity in the film in yeah. real life. Oh, that's pretty cool. Lucked out that way. I've never been to Franklin Field. I've been, I've passed the stadium. I know the area. I have never been like inside of it. I just don't, never had a reason. You know, I don't really watch like college games or anything like that. So, uh, but it looks cool though. I mean, you got yeah. some good shots. No, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'm glad I, I made the, I just remember, I do remember coming back that night and my feet were just killing me. And I'm like, oh, I'm really? stand for hours and hours at Madonna the next night, but I found a way. You're a true fan. Yep. Uh, I think that's a seedy area too. That area? Oh, yeah. Isn't isn't it a bad area? We're uh, outside of the, like, the stadium. I didn't feel like it was. So maybe I just didn't know any better either. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I haven't lived there in ten years. I I remember it used to. It might have been Temple University. I think that was really bad. University of Penn might be okay. I'm gonna get lynched on line yeah. by Philadelphia fans. Uh, the Dream Garden, the mural that's in the restaurant. This mural yes. was. Um, so that's actually, and I just took those through the window. I didn't get to kind of go inside there. So this is my. Did best. you? Yeah, and that's right out of the center city area. Uh, if I remember yeah. right, it's not too far from uh, Rittenhouse Square. The happening. Yeah, I know that area. It's a nice area, of Philadelphia. That's the only nice area of Philadelphia. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's a great area. You're I love it. Great city. Wow. No, I'm. I love. I'm from Philadelphia. I love the city, I but. That area, the Walnut Street, is, is a nice spot. And you, uh, well, bad things happen in Philadelphia, Robert. They do, yes. Of course. Uh, but that you got that shot through a window? Yeah, it, was, um, it wasn't open. And this is, uh, you can see this mural just as you kind of go by. And I think this was like at 8 o'clock at night or something like that. So. Huh. You did a great job. Thank you. Some scenes with Bruce Willis and Unbreakable, like the date scene by the window... Um, when I'm when I'm thinking about them collectively, kind of run together with the sixth sense, when he's like showing up at the date with his wife, and you know he's dead, so she's not really responding. They kind of blur together with me, because um, you know as a, as a, I think I was in high school when the, both of those films came out. I saw them in the theater. It kind of, uh, you know, like it's good to refresh and watch them because yeah. they're they're very similar in a lot of ways. I did see Bruce Willis um, one year at Sundance Film Festival, and uh, oh, no way! And I, I usually go with my sister when we when we have, and we always try to get front row seats. And at the Eccles Theater, which is the biggest theater, uh, we always sit right in front of the podium. So usually the people are just like six feet away from you. So, and you and saw I him remember, speak. What's that? You saw Bruce Willis speak. Yeah, and so um, so I remember he was at the podium, and people would there'd be Q and A, and for some reason. Uh, he, somebody asked him a question, and when he answered, he would just he answered directly to me, looking me right in the eye, 
No way. Yeah. It was weird enough because, like, I felt like oh, I have to put down my camera. I don't want to be this jackass. That's just like, and uh, and so it was, it was like strange enough. I didn't cool. know what to do, and so and so sometimes it's a little weird when celebrities just kind of eye lock you, and you're like, you don't know what to to do. But he was yeah, like, what do you do? Uh, Soft spoken, and I don't want to say fragile, but not the not what you see on screen at all. Wow. Okay, so he's more of a reserved kind of guy. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll I'll try to update my page tomorrow with some of those pictures of. Uh, oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, I'll do. I'll you do, do great work. Um, Unbreakable came out. Was it? Has it really been twenty years tomorrow? Nineteen nine. Yeah. Oh man, I feel so old right now. <laughs> That's so sad. I'm. I'm. This might launch a midlife crisis. There might be some depression, Robert. <laughs> Thanks for bringing it up. I'll see you uh, next week. I hope. You know, I, I I would have issues when like I can't, I, I know when Stand by Me had its kind of anniversary. I can remember uh, a few <laughs> years ago, and I was like, oh, the amount of time, you know that, you know, Stand by Me was supposed to take place in 1959, but it came out in 1986, and yeah. I'm like, yeah. from 1986 to to now is well past that amount of time. I and know. Like, oh, you know, how does this happen? Like. On a brighter note, though, does it make you feel better that a lot of these people who were old in these movies are still doing movies today? Like, you look at Rocky, and the plot of Rocky was he was too old to be boxing anyway, and Rocky won. And 2000, Stallone is still doing, like, Rambo movies. Still going at it. I mean, that makes me feel better. Like, Bruce yeah. Willis, you know? He's still doing movies, uh, even though... When did his career start? I mean, the 80s, with his amazing singing career. Uh, yeah, obviously... Um... I think Moonlighting was probably when he became Moonlighting. popular. And I'm young enough to know. I remember when uh, the Die Hard trailer came out, people in the theater were laughing. What do you mean? They, Bruce Willis was a comet, television comedy person. And when they had this <laughs> Bruce Willis, people were actually, I remember people actually laughing because they couldn't take this Die Hard seriously. And this before the movie came out. Yeah. And of course, everybody loved it. And then Bruce became a action star. But oh, I so Die really Hard was like his kickoff. Mm -hmm. You remember the, when people were laughing at this trailer? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because it was just kind of a, a Bruce Willis. And people kind of giggle because it was like, what? Like, he's, he's having a romantic, maybe, on, will she, won't she comedy on, on, on Moonlighting with Sybil Shepherd, And it was just, yeah, not, he, he was not an action star. He's like the opposite of Charlie Sheen, career-wise. Charlie Sheen was a serious actor, Platoon, Wall Street. And then he did like Hot Shots and then Two and a Half Men. And then he, he did like Robert Rodriguez's uh, Machete 2 Machete under uh, oh, yeah. Carlos Estevez. Like he kind of did the opposite. He doesn't really do like serious roles anymore. I did rewatch Wall Street because I know, I know we talked. I watched Platoon last weekend and then yeah. Wall Street was streaming and as well as Wall Street 2. I saw that. Tried to rewatch. It was which one? Wall Street Two is. See, oh. I just saw that for the first time last week with Shia. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough one. It's tough to get through. I didn't quite know what we, what it was I, doing. It the 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 formula. I want to ask you how what you thought of Wall Street if that still holds up. But the formula for Shia LaBeouf was, and he is making a comeback, and I like him. But he was like the it boy for five years. And they based a bunch of like 
potentially good sequels with him, and they turned out bad. Like Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Like he had no place being in there. Yeah. Uh, Wall Street, money. You know, money sleep. What is it? Money never sleeps. Money never sleeps, which is like, kind of funny because you will during this movie. Yeah, you kind of ironic. Like he had no business being in there, but I felt like they've done that with a lot of films. Um, they just like throw him in there. It was like he did Transformers. Like, ah, let's get the kid from Transformers in here, and they don't age well. But do you? What was your thoughts on Wall Street re- rewatching it? Was it a so, while since you've seen it? Um, it has been a while, and to me, it kind of still it still held up, um, and it reminded me of. Um, I still think. I mean, I just can't imagine being. Uh, that as a career i don't know how people do it the craziness and uh now everything going on and a lot of it just literally goes over my head um but same here gecko is just the ultimate 80s the cell phone just captured it right there oh yeah it's perfect that corporate greed um it is a good flick though yeah, no, it still holds up, um, and there, there's parts that are, kind of, uh, you know, like Dar- I'm not quite sure what Daryl Hannah's doing there. Yeah, um, no, she should have been shooting a sequel to uh, Splash, Splash instead too. of that. Did they come <laughs> um, out with I, a Splash too? They did come out with Splash too, with not, and I, I don't think I even watched it. it was, okay, it did not look very good. Now I do appreciate Oliver Stone because he did use the same lady uh, as the real estate agent. Uh, from Wall Street One to Wall Street Two, when she's helping Shia LaBeouf pick out his apartments, that's the same same lady. So, oh yeah, I, I appreciate. I love when sequels do those little things that they don't need to, really bringing people back or revisiting. Yeah, the they do the little cameos. I think that's important. It kind of gives the fans of the original like a little like nostalgia. And Charlie Sheen came back for a scene. Uh, yeah, as yeah. well. Carlos Estevez, you mean? Um, was that his name? Oh, is that, oh, that's his, is that his real name? Yeah, that's his real name, but that's uh, that's what he was billed in as and, uh, Machete. Carlos Estevez is like a joke. Um, the Charlie Sheen aspect of Wall Street should have been the sequel. You know, like Gordon gets out and he's doing like hedge funding or something and something that I don't understand. And like, I know it might have been tough to get him back because he was in Two and a Half Men at the time, but... Like, that would have been a better story than Shia LaBeouf dating his daughter. And I, I don't know. I feel like they could have done a lot more with that. Yeah, it got confusing. And it, it, part of it is, like, you're not sure who you're supposed to be looking at, for a better word. You know, that um, if this if the story was about her daughter, it should be about her daughter. Instead, it's, like, her daughter's boyfriend. And it's just kind of convoluted. Yeah. It would have, And I it would have worked better if, to me, if, if Shia was his son. And you you saw his right. son in the movie in the original Wall Street. I don't know if you ever saw. Yeah. Or if they even mentioned kind of mentioned that. Um, no. But that that would have made more sense to me. But it kind of felt like even in the <laughs> end, she was still a, just a pawn between Shia and uh, uh, Gordon. Yeah, she was like the uh, the MacGuffin. Just yeah. let's just throw her in there. I also I feel like Wall Street money never sleeps should use the Jurassic Park theology to it, and that's just because you should you could doesn't mean that you know you need to stop thinking if you should. Yeah, and I feel like Wall Street didn't need a sequel. It was obviously just well, let's let's do a money grab. I mean, all films are money grabs, but yeah. I, I don't I don't know if Wall Street needed a sequel really, and that much later. Um, it's interesting because I, I, 
forgot they set it in 2008. And so I thought, oh, the, I mean, rather than uh, current, present time. Um, I said, well, that makes sense because they're going to go on what happened uh, with uh, the economic downturn and, and everything that happened. But they didn't really kind of touch on that uh, too much. It was just to kind of gloss that over. They, yeah, they did. I felt like that could have been a bigger deal. But they did, but they did gloss it over. Um, I want to jump back to Unbreakable real quick. There's a shot in here uh, of you, um, Franklin Field, the scene where Glass and David Dunn are like in the corridor right before you go out and you see the field, and you got that shot. Was this before or after you were starting to get shooed away? Because I think that's I th- right when I got shooed away, and I'm not even sure that's the right corridor, so I'm like, kind of, here's an example. Uh, <laughs> it might not be. I'm not sure, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter for the... I mean, it's all aesthetic... But I feel like that's pretty close to the field. Like you really got in there. Yeah, I did. Um, and that's like you were inside I, the building. Yeah, I, I did walk in, and that's why I could have really just kind of walked out onto the field if I wanted to. And obviously, that would even be kind of more noticeable. And I had a feeling that the actual shot. shot was probably shot uh, like a level above. But I wasn't going to start kind of doing that. I don't love the movie that much. Right. <laughs> I have a question for you. It's a deep question. Right. So you've been doing this for a long time. You know your craft. You respect the places you go. You're not a trespasser. You don't vandalize. You're you're a what I would, what I would call a considerate, um, documentarian with this kind of uh, thing. With the rise of urban explor- exploration in the last five years, um, it's blown up as you know. Um, people filming abandoned stuff, mm-hmm. going to abandoned locations. People doing sites like yours never is good, but there's a lot of like amateurs that try to do this stuff. Usually they only do it for a little bit and then they give up. Um, do you feel like this hurts your approach because a lot of these people give them a bad name with trespassing? Or do you feel like that community is overall mostly respectful of like what they're doing? I think they're pretty respectful. I think it turns into, and I think we might have talked about this before, some of the the bigger movies of uh, where people are trespassing and doing weird stuff on um, uh, in, uh, these houses are kind of crossing the line of kind of stepping into, uh, you know, onto their lawn or whatever. And, you know, grant I've done that as well, uh, admittedly, but uh, some owners kind of just get tired of that. And Yeah, because have you, like, I'm sure you've been to places and I know some places you were the first one there, like you were the guy putting the, american flag on the moon as like you found it first i forget what it was but there was one recently where um i think it was halloween 2018 you got to the set before it was even like released when they were still filming it or something but have you ever been to a location where someone actually got mad and was like hey you're like the fifth person here this week or have you been lucky with like getting there ahead of time i'm trying to remember there was uh there was a desert location uh that we uh my friend and i were uh, Texas? Uh, no, it was uh, Lang- uh, Lancaster, California. Oh, yeah. Around yeah, there, yeah. Stuff like that. And, um, uh, Dominic Pace is his name. He's an actor. He actually had, uh, he was in a couple episodes uh, in Mandalorian uh, season one. So he, he's been, oh, wow. He's been doing really Dominic well. Pace, kind of like Dominic Monaghan and Charlie Pace? A little bit. I, I've met Donna, I have met Dominic Monaghan as well. So. Oh, the best. And dance. Um, but uh, yeah, so we got chased out, and that I remember kind of being scared at that point. I was like, oh, you know. Um, but it's mostly yeah. uh, 
the only time I'm kind of like not not in a good place is, is some uh, downtown locations because there's some areas of, of downtown Los Angeles that are just not good and there's places yeah. where I've had to run to my car. <laughs> downtown LA is a weird dichotomy. There's like cool art districts and nice places and then you go like a block and you're in Skid Row and there's just like you know crack addicts and it's just not not a good area. It's it's weird. It's like you can make a wrong turn there and you're in no man's land very quickly. So a lot of my uh, to-do list is a lot of it. If, when you look at my map, that still needs to be done. A lot of it is downtown LA because I'm just like I just avoid it. There's I don't have the patience always to kind of <laughs> do that. What is this to-do list you you talk about? I, I have a big map, and so there, there's still uh, I just kind of knock them off as as come along. So sometimes there'll be uh, little one-offs of different locations that I've not gone to uh, that I uh, if I'm in the area I'll, I'll kind of try to hit it up, but. And sometimes, or things are just kind of seemed a little bit too far. I remember a couple of years ago in Riverside, California, uh, they shot Straightjacket. And it just seemed like, oh, that's too far to go away. And finally, I made the trip, and it was, it's actually not that far. Uh, in, in LA time, it's uh, uh, the distance is far, but not the, uh, the travel time to get there. <laughs> yeah, right. You, what could be, you know, 10 minutes in real time in Nebraska or where I'm from in Pennsylvania. Yeah could be like an hour, and you're like, this doesn't make sense. Anyway, you slice it. Why is it taking so long? Yeah. So, so eventually, uh, some of those trips, I just kind of start knocking stuff off. Are you, what, what's it like being the best website that does this out of all of them? Are you, you are you're too. humble about it. You're, you're a humble too. guy. It is fun. I just feel like now um, it's going to be virtually on a year since I have traveled, and so I feel like I've, uh, I'm, missing, I'm missing out on kind of having that kind of fun right now. Well, you're going to get back there, and when you go to your website, there's uh, Visit More Location Sites. Half of them aren't even active anymore because they've all failed, and you didn't, sir. Um, nothing against them, but it's tough to, to, up to, to do that many locations and have it be sustainable because it's a lot of work, and you put the time in. So I feel like you're kind of rolling right now where like you, you're going to show up first <laughs> when people are searching around. Now, I don't know if you saw... Um, so, cause we, I know we've talked about children of the corn before. Yes. So we did a whole show uh, on it. What's that? We did a whole show on it. Yeah. So, um, so Myers house, which they set up, I went like when I went to the, um, Stu's house from scream, uh, and oh, yeah. places that, uh, I think they went to Texas chainsaw and so forth. So, uh, next July, they are doing the children of the corn screaming in the middle of Whiting, Iowa town square where that kind of yellow flag pole. <sighs> No so, way. You got to go. So, yeah, some people already asked me, are you going? I'm like, well, it's an hour and a half away, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, how far is that from the Field of Dreams place uh, in I, Iowa? I've not been to Field of Dreams. I don't know. Because I feel like they need to combine the two and do a Field of Dreams with Children of the Corn. There, there are people that, especially, so obviously it's not too far from me, but uh, that people do make the Midwest of, they... Uh, go through all the kind of Midwest locations. So, yeah, somebody on my Instagram uh, tagged me and said, "Are you going to this?" And and I said, "Well, I'll, if I'm around for, uh, for sure." And uh, they said, "Hopefully, COVID will be will be in a better place by then." I'm like, "If we're not in a better place by then, we're going to be in the real life the stand. If we're not better by July 2021." That's what I think. When people say, uh, "Well, hopefully by this time next year we'll be able to." Um... 
they'll say about something trivial. We'll be able to do this outdoor, this inside thing again. I said, if we're not in a better place by then, you're not going to be worried about doing this inside thing you're talking about because you're going to be worried about your life. Yeah. The well, Whitey and Iowa, we can spread out uh, pretty easily. I would think so. I, I don't know what it is. I have no interest in seeing the Field of Dreams place. I like the movie. I just, I've seen the pictures of it. It's just a baseball field to me. I don't, I don't know. People I know have, have went there specifically to see that. And if I was passing by or within like a few hour drive, I, I, I probably would. But I don't know. I have no interest to like just go to that part of Iowa just to see a baseball field. And for some people, that movie means a lot to them. And I get that. That's, that's yeah. Halloween. That's their yeah, script, yeah, yeah. Their their pilgrimage for sure. Um, but uh, but yeah. So I've not. That movie didn't really affect me too much. But for I know some people, that is yeah. their sacred ground. They make special trips just to go there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. People like it. And it's a good flick. But I, I would rather see like Dances with Wolves sets if we're going to talk about, you know, Kevin Costner movies. Um, I think the Untouchables. You don't, you don't want to go to the Dakotas right now. No, that's not a good idea. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of COVID cases. South of COVID. The... the uh, what is it? The anniversary of Children of the Corn, though, that they're doing this. I think I don't know if it's an anniversary because it'll just be. Yeah, because it came out in '84. I think they just they just do it. They kind of set up, and I think they did Scream Two at one of the uh, the the Georgia College uh, where they shot some of the scenes as well. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, so they they do a pretty good job, and oh, actually, they, they uh, I think it was through them that they did the Shining screening at the Timberland Lodge. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. I always mix up the location to The Shining because they filmed the exterior at the Timberland Lodge in Oregon, but the interiors were based off the Iwani Hotel in the Yosemite. But yeah. Stephen King wrote the book and based the setting off of the Stanley Hotel in Colorado. Yep. But they filmed it in England. So like at the end of the day, I don't know what the hell I'm looking at. So it's cool. It's like an interesting thing going on there. There's not much. I think... Literally, there's probably five or six shots that actually shot in Oregon. Um, right, all exteriors, right? Yeah, just exteriors. And then some in um, was it Montana. I think the driving scenes were somewhere Glacier else. National Park. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's kind of all over the place to kind of make it... Make it kind work. of Yeah, they switched it up. Um, great flick, though. You're a Shining fan, right? Yes. Have you covered The Shining in your archives? Um, yeah, so because I think it was the... 40th you did the Timberlands here. Yeah, that I I, I did uh, vaguely because obviously I just had a couple shots. <laughs> what do you? Yeah, how can what can you do? Uh, there, there wasn't too much uh, to do. Oh, you did get it. Oh, that is cool. Um, but I, I was glad because when I, I was there for two days, and uh, I think first day was like super sunny, and so I got those shots, and then next day was super snowy and cold. I mean, it looked just. It literally looked just like the movie. If I could get rid of all those cars from all the skiers, that would have been perfect. And then, um, well, yeah, I'm looking at it. And then, um, but yeah, so they did a great job because um, uh, there was they set up the screening room and they had a um, I can't remember the waiter's name. Uh, The waiter in The Shining. Yeah, um, had had his name tag. He had his hair slicked back and. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, a typewriter set up and page uh, there's a page on everybody's seat uh was typed out you know uh no way that's a nice touch and there was uh, balloons and kind of the uh, old tinsel and stuff like they have in the movie so 
wow. and a, a big tricycle and stuff like that. So, so they had they they did it really well, and um, it wasn't until after the movie uh, that I was just kind of in a lobby or whatever, and I saw uh, this uh, a girl woman, and she uh, she was dressed up exactly like uh, Shelley Duvall, and her nice husband, uh, was dressed up like Jack. And then they had two friends that were dressed up as the twins, and so we took some family pictures. I got on because I was I I was wearing um, I have a sweatshirt that looks like the Apollo USA sweater that that Danny. Uh, well, that's because Kubrick filmed the moon landing, Robert. Supposedly, yes. we can't go into Capricorn One territory to talk about that. <laughs> um, it's true. But, uh, but yeah, so it was good, and she had never seen The Shining. I'm like, how did you what? do your costume? So what? She goes, I just found some pictures. And then uh, I think we were at the, oh my gosh. We were getting drinks or something like that. And then she she took off. She actually uh, ordered or made fake bangs that she took out just to complete. No way. The show. She so, did her homework. Yeah, I was like, well, you went all out for a movie you've never even seen. But, that's um, dedication. That's dedication to the craft. Uh, but that's fun, and that's fun to see those people, uh, the pecan people, into it. And then we took pictures. Yeah. By um, I'm gonna mix up the room numbers because in the movie I think it's two two seven. Where they stay in? Or I think in the movie it's two three seven, but in the book it's two two seven or something like that. So because yeah, they they wanted to change it, so we went and took pictures, and then um, right, I'm I am mad at myself because I'm like I should have asked for that room, and they're like yeah we would have given you that room if it was free, you know. And I was like oh, I, I wouldn't even have thought it would be available. Like somebody yeah. would have, you know. But the, yeah, so the, the inside looks obviously nothing like anything, but no, yeah, and it works for the movie as well because, yeah, we've talked about this before. One of the reasons that makes The Shining so great is exterior uh, shots in no way match the interior, which gives you like a queasy, uneasy feeling. Like if you look at the um, Timberland Lodge, there's no way that place could hold a ballroom in there the size yeah. of The Shining, yeah. and it, it, it doesn't is. look like a huge place. It's a big place, but it does. There's no way a ballroom's fitting there. Which really works. Also with the, the, the hedge maze that's never in a shot until yes. the end of the movie. I did have just friends appears. ask about that hedge maze and like it's not even up there. Yeah, yeah, it's just a, stu- it's a studio. But it worked. But you got some great shots though. Yeah, so You it, stayed overnight there for two nights? Yeah, because um, yeah, I was I was in between Madonna. I think I just finished uh, six Madonna shows in LA and then nice. I a couple of days in Oregon, and then I flew from there to Vancouver, British Columbia, to meet my family for some Christmas. Festivals. Did you play the 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 silent game or the no talking game? Uh, no, are you, are you talking about my YouTube video or? Yeah, it was on. You sent me a video about your Halloween um, audition thing. Oh, that. And then oh. that showed up on like the side as like another yeah. video, and it was looked like a fun game where yeah. you can't hear the person, but you have to. Phonetically, yeah. So that was like a Christmas game. I kind of forgot about that. So it's a great video. You're trying to figure out what. A... <laughs> I want to play it myself. Uh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about the Halloween audition video. But yeah, so that's that was a classic, by the way. People make me post that every Halloween. So do you like un? Do you un? Uh, make it like private each year and then re? Like, no, is it always I... live? It's always there. I just I think I reposted on Facebook or people want. Oh yeah, it's a classic. It's kind of like when people look forward to it's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. We now look forward to your Halloween audition video. Yeah, you can see my my nipples. It's perfect. You did a good job editing that too. 
And so I actually had a friend edited at the time because that was 2003 and he actually had an editor that was kind of able to do it. And, and if you, yeah, it's perfect. It's actually using my Halloween laser disc at the time. Uh, cause that's, I think it was, Oh I yeah. Think, I don't know if Halloween was on Blu-ray yet or, or not, or you, you couldn't kind of use it and stuff like that. So, um, but oh, yeah, right. so I, I had my idea. I remember kind of writing the script. I was on a, a road trip to, for a friend's birthday and I was like, what am I going to do with this audition video? Because you want to win and you want to, you know, kind of stick out. So I, yeah, I came with that concept of, of my kind of inter, interspersing myself into to different scenes in the movie. It was perfect. I think it was ahead of its time, too, because now people do that a lot. But you did it in like such a way that you get the source material. Yeah. You could tell like you understood what you were doing as a fan. I still have my Laurie Strode wig. It's perfect. <laughs> After Halloween, what's your what's your second favorite Halloween movie? Uh, it'd be around, it might be H2O has a special spot. Really? Even though it's very, yeah. very 90s. Uh, Halloween 2 and Halloween 2018 are probably kind of around there. Interesting. I would have guessed you would have said 4 or 2. Um, two, 2 is up there for sure because I yeah. would I would always just watch Halloween 1 and 2 together. Like it was kind of, kind of one movie. That's um, the way to do it. Yeah. It's right after each other. Two, I think, is my favorite one. I just it was the one I saw first. I always just liked it. I thought the hospital thing was really scary. Three kinda, is the scariest one for me. I cut a few scenes of Halloween Two is on one of the channels. You know, so I was kind of flipping. I'm like, oh, I'll watch a little bit of it. And uh, and I think the best scene. And actually, I remember before I saw the movie, they showed this clip on Siskel and Ebert, and it's where Laurie is. Huh. Uh, limping through the parking lot and Michael kind yeah. of starts stalking her and she's banging on the door. And I remember oh. for Siskel and Ebert, uh, they, they cut it off. And I was just like, uh, uh, 11 year old me is like, is she going to, she going to get killed? Yeah. Why would they cut that off? How dare them? I know. It was just, it was, I just remember it freaks me out. I'm like, now I know she's going to get out of the hospital. So, that is um, freaky. I, yeah, she's banging on the door, and you're like, it's a hospital. There needs to be somebody there in case there's, like, an emergency. What's, why does this thing look shut down? Haddonfield is the worst. I wonder if they're going to do, do something like that in, in the new one, where somebody's banging on the door, the hospital, and nobody just... <laughs> yeah, I'd be wondering. Yeah, it's like, come on. What if this was, like, a gunshot wound or somebody that might get killed? Uh, Let's just not answer the door. It's a tough town. It's a tough and town. Wh- and why are paramedics always having sex? in hospitals like in jason four that happens and halloween two and it's like how about just doing her job as medical first responders for this night maybe it happens in real life I don't, i've not worked in the hospital so I, I don't know i just think it's hilarious and all those like 80s horror movies in the hospital like let's get it on it's like yeah forget about the the guy choking that just was brought in we're gonna have some fun in this st- let's go take a bath in this boiler room <laughs> for burn victims like yeah it's just crazy. It's it's hilarious, and you have to do it for the the plot. But it's always been funny to me that they do that. It, it is funny to, then to kind of start to poke holes later, you know. Like so, Laurie Strode's the only one that's brought out and given an ambulance. And I'm like, I think there's <laughs> other people in the hospital. How many how many other people did Doctor Loomis blow up? Uh, <laughs> I never thought about that. Yeah, he like took out a whole wing with that explosion. But like she's being taken out. What if he was right next to uh, uh, the infants? Uh, <laughs> Like, that would be the next shot when, you know, like, it's time, Michael. And then you just see flames going over the nursery. And just like, geez. Oh, I know. Because there were infants in there. Yeah. 
Yeah, because remember there's uh yeah. there's parents in charge of them, and then she she's checking on them. <laughs> it's it's why yeah, and another thing too, and I I know it doesn't work for the plot, but another hole that's always funny is like every Friday the thirteenth, you know, there's always like one cop that doesn't really show up, maybe a few in some of the other ones, but then at the end or at the beginning of a movie after like the girls you know rescued, there's always like thirty police cars in the middle of the barn, and you're like. Yeah, we kind of could have used them earlier now when people were, were like calling the cops. Now we're taking it seriously. Now we're taking it seriously. I still love the cop in Friday the 13th Part 2. I don't know if you remember that, the guy that chases Jason in the woods. It's almost like the set directors were like, all right, uh, let's get you a costume. What do you got on? Blue jeans? Do you have like a shirt that matches that? No, I have this brown one. That works. Here's a badge. Do you, how about a gun? Uh, we don't really have a gun belt, but you can put this cowboy holster that dangles off your right side and just throw like a prop gun in there. Let's do it. Good he enough. was the most mismatched cop in any film I've ever seen. And he was a state policeman. What? And I do wonder, I'm like, why does he give chase? You know, like... Right. Uh, they, they pay attention what? to nobody. Maybe he's just looking to... Maybe he's bored. I don't know. But like... He gives uh, chase. He just sees somebody running across and like, is that... Is that enough to uh, get out of the car? And... Is that enough to engage pursuit? Yeah. I, I don't know. I just I think the cops in the series as a whole were pretty good. They were all uniformed and whatever. But for whatever reason, the second one, it says state police in his car. Clearly not a New Jersey state trooper. They actually have like nice uniforms. Yeah. And he just had like jeans on. And it was almost like he was an afterthought. Like they just... They picked up whatever badge they could find at the Seven Eleven or a grocery store and was like, "Use it, man. You do it." He reminds Even... me of he. He has the same look as the uh, the sheriff in, uh, or not the sheriff, the deputy in um, Halloween Two at the end. Oh yeah. Uh, with that's being escorted back to the clinic. Uh, oh yeah, that's so true. That was that was the cop look, I guess, at the time. Kind of. That's like, what they had to do. Was just throw him in there. Now, the cops in Jason, in Friday the 13th, Part 3, that show up at the general store, very professional. They had the uniforms on. They were more like L.A. County sheriffs. Their police cars looked normal. Yeah. They took their job seriously. They were... They did. Thanks for tuning in to the most boring segment I've ever brought up, everybody. I apologize. The cops... (laughs) Cops in 80s movies. Do they do their job or not? Find out. Um... But no, I was I always just thought that guy was funny because he I never took that cop seriously, you know he was kind of like heavy set. Yeah, kids. He gives chase to somebody running. He didn't he call just, for backup. I can't remember. I don't know. I don't he wasn't a good part two scene where uh, with Paul and Jenny saying no no desserts no second desserts for the you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, aren't you going to punish these kids? No seconds on desserts. The job. Come on, kids. Let's go to the casino. Let's go hang out in this Connecticut casino, wherever they were. Yeah. Um, we've mentioned before in the last show that you're going to be taking a trip to Los Angeles if all goes according to plan in January. Fingers crossed. How long are you staying out here? What are, what are you planning on doing? You don't have to well, get into specifics if you want to keep it secret. Why I kind of I have a couple trips and I'd have to look at my calendar. One was for the Hollywood show, and I don't know if that's really going to be happening anymore. So. Um, which is kind of, for those that know, it's kind of a convention for former TV shows and films and stuff like that. But they, they've gotten really good 
people. I mean, I the past couple of years, like uh, a lot of the Cobra Kai cast and Karate Kid cast was there. Um, speaking of Psycho, the 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 woman that was Janet Lee's double in the shower scene uh, and did was kind of a lot did a lot of the nudity and, and stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. Uh, was there um, uh, Ed Asner? I mean, they get some. Decent people, a lot of the cast of Carrie, um, a lot of uh, the Carrie's uh, students and stuff like that. But um, in the original Carrie, you're talking about? Uh, yep. Oh, good. Um, but yeah, so um, so we'll we'll see if that actually happens. I at the time I said, yeah, yeah, and the way we're going, I was like, I I am not sure who, <laughs> what celebrity in their right mind would want to be around all these people. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, they would have to. I wouldn't even know how you could pull that off. Who knows what will happen, though. But I'm hoping to... I, I can't remember I scheduled another trip. I think it might be... I, was kind of, I think they might have... So we talked about the Greystone Mansion before in Los Angeles. So yeah. they usually open up twice a year uh, inside to the public. Uh, so you can Those checkered trip. floors. And so um, I've done that once before. And so I thought I'd, it's always kind of fun to go back. And they've shot probably yeah. hundreds of films there. Witches of Eastwick, Stripes... Muppets. Stripes is such a classic. I think it was France. Is that what it's supposed to be? In? I, I, yeah, Germany. I think. Yeah, it's it's a European country, but I, yeah, I yeah. think I think it might have been Germany. Greystone Mansion too is like one of the best spots that you can go to in LA just to like do something for the day because it's free. It's beautiful for whatever reason. It's never crowded. It's not like there's throngs of people there. And you can just walk around these beautiful grounds taking pictures. It's just a cool, like, the views are great. You know, you've been there a lot of times. Oh, it's oh, just yeah. a cool yeah. spot. Yeah, like I said, they open up the interiors just a couple times a year. But you're right, yeah. the grounds are, are beautiful. Uh, the flowers in the attic, uh, they reshot the ending there where uh, uh, she, the bride kind of falls down and kind of hangs himself. Star Trek. What movie Star was that where the bride hangs herself? Flowers in the Attic. Oh, I never saw it. Is it good? Oh. It's not a good movie. It's not a good movie. <laughs> but they, Star Trek? Uh, and they, but they reshot the ending, and and obviously because it was filmed on the East Coast, and then when they have to do reshoots, they just have to do whatever's nearby. So they shot it in, in Los Angeles, and uh, it's just uh, yeah, not a good okay. movie. They they remade it once or twice, I think, as well, and they just never quite. It's kind of Flowers in the Attic, the 1987 psychological horror film starring Louise Fletcher, Victoria Tennant, Christy Swanson. Mm-hmm. And Jeb Stewart Adams. Not a good movie, Robert? It is not. I don't know. There's pieces of it that I still like, but it just for the, the wrong reason. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Kind of curious about this. You might. It, it's a, a check it out on a Sunday afternoon type of movie. Christy Swanson was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer and in the program. The program? Oh, gotcha. And. Not a good player. Higher, higher learning. Um, she wasn't that, wasn't she? Deadly friend. She actually shot a movie in Omaha uh, when I was in high school uh, as well. Really? Which one? Uh, it was called Boy, uh, Mir- Miracle of the Heart, A Boy's Town Story. Oh, and so, in Omaha. Uh, uh, Casey Shamasco was there. Um, and um, I forget names at the end of the day. Uh, who, who played Tommy Doyle in the original Halloween? Um, Tommy Doyle was... Uh... That guy, that Brian Andrews. Yes. Um, so I remember. Uh, I remember. I I didn't know he was in town at the time. She was in this heart of the land of the heart movie. You're talking about. 
Miracle of the Heart. Miracle of the Heart? Yeah. Hmm. Um, she was. Uh, she also dated Alan Thicke in 1986 when she was 17. That oh. was disgusting. Oh. 1986. So Art Carney, I remember... Um, so they filmed not too far from my high school, about a mile, and then the Boys Town was about a mile from my high school. So oh. um, I remember I was with my dad, and we just went over, and Art Carney was in the hallway uh, uh, filming a, a scene. So Does Omaha have a lot of... As, they probably have a film bureau, right? Like a film office, because a lot we of movies... We, we do. Um, we've tried... It used to kind of have one, and then... I'm part of a nonprofit called Dig Site Productions, which has kind of taken over the Eastern Nebraska kind of film office to get more films in, and particularly in Fremont, Nebraska, which is just outside of Omaha. And so um, they got a couple, um, uh, it was a Hallmark film, I think, last year or a couple years ago. Um, And of course, Alexander Payne um, uh, actually has testified in legislature to have tax incentives. Um, So, of course, he directed... uh, in Omaha, Citizen Ruth, and about Schmidt, and election, and... Yeah, I feel like they should do more films there if they had a good tax incentive, because it could be, like, the new Georgia or Toronto. Like, your weather, the climate there, you can use for a lot of stuff. Yeah, and it's in the middle of the U.S., and it'll be... It's still cheaper than uh, to film in L.A., and if you, if you have that... Oh, yeah. So, so uh, this nonprofit that I'm involved in it has, has been pretty good about getting more and more people... Uh, kind of shooting films here, so not always the biggest films, but uh, um, but they they do kind of uh, have been working on that to kind of pave the way. So Shia that would be cool was here to shoot something a couple of years ago. Oh really? Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's probably Transformers, right? <laughs> I think they it was could... one of his little art projects. Sorry, yeah. So. That's cool though. They should do more like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's good stuff, and uh, I feel like it, when you do come to LA, I hope. Uh, you know, we can meet up and, um, yeah, I'd be curious to see what happens with that uh, convention that you're talking about, like how they can do that. Yeah, and I might just come anyway. I mean, if things are, even if they cancel the convention and just uh, uh, get together, we can take some set jetting, actual set jetting trips to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of stuff, as you know, right around here in the valley and then everywhere. Um, you've been to the abandoned LA Zoo, right? Yes. It's yeah, a great I think spot. We talked about Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Good times. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of good stuff here. I think um, I'll, like, go down a rabbit hole and just start Googling, you know, even if it's uh, maybe something I come across your site of things that have been filmed in this area uh, that look nothing like it, but you have to kind of do a double take, and you're like, oh, that was that. I think I mentioned before the uh, arcade in in War Games is, like, a Persian furniture store now. You're like, whoa, what's going on here? Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling up my, my map to see, um, so obviously Tarzana. So you're not far from, like, the Karate Kid Encino uh, locations where Allie lived. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly where those are, too. Because I used to use that neighborhood as a back way to get to work when I worked in West Hollywood. So, like, I'm familiar with that area. Um, Safe is one of my favorite movies uh, with uh, Julianne Moore. Uh, was shot in Encino, so it has... Oh, yeah. Around. You've done that before, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, so yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You you posted about that, I think, this year at some point as well. Yeah, I think, yeah. When I was on a roll, I was kind of doing that, so... Um, right. That's a good That's good times. You mentioned Karate Kid, Cobra Kai people have showed up at this convention in January that you're talking about in the past. 
Yeah, and then one of them the, uh, has passed away since. So he was in the original Karate Kid. Yeah, the guy that played um, uh, the guy that was laughing during the tournament. He's like, you yeah, know, Put get him. him. Bag. He, right. That's, that's his line. So my sister is the ultimate Karate Kid fan. And she actually has one of her pillows um, has that quote. It says, put him in a body bag. Oh, that's perfect. And then her other quote, I'm going to get it wrong, but it's like this stupid bike, you know, that <laughs> I stupid hate bike. Pick. Yeah. Um, but, How much uh, do I owe you? But yeah, so um, so when she was, it was uh, just about a year ago that um, I brought her and my best friend to uh, Los Angeles to see Madonna. And then um, on the way back uh, for the airport, that was kind of out of the way. Um, but I brought them to golf and stuff. Uh, oh, that's perfect. They had a couple dates uh, in the movie. So and Isn't I, that I've that's been, in Norfolk, California or something? Nor- Norwalk. Norwalk. Um, so I intentionally did not, I had never been to that location because I could not go without my sister. Oh I, yeah. I golf and stuff. Yeah, I think it's still called golf and stuff. It is still called golf and stuff. And they still have the sign. The sign is a different place. But yeah. The sign is still there. And they actually, there's banners and stuff like that. So they appreciate the movie. That's so cool. That's what you want to see too. Like those eighties karate kid locations, oh, like yeah. the, the seven seas or South seas hotel or yeah. apartment. Still has that sign there. Yep, looks about the same. Um, and I, I had been there. The first time I went there, there was still a field next to it. Now there's apartments and condos, I think. Um, yeah. I passed that sometimes. From the school. Um, the school's in Woodland Hills, I believe. Okay. I think so. Yeah. Don't quote me. You would know better than me, but I, you, I it think... It is in Woodland so... Yeah. Re- re- in L.A. terms, relatively close to... Georgia. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> It is funny, though, when you see them, like, at the beach, all hanging out, and then they're, like, at school. It makes it sound like kids in L.A., they're all just, like, going to the beach. It's like, nobody that lives here goes to the beach ever. Well, that same school was supposed to be Oceanfront High in summer right. school. And they would always talk about the beach was more or less across the street. Yeah, yeah, we're just going to waltz over. And it's crazy. And L.A. just knows that you're nowhere, you're miles and miles and miles from any potential beach. Right, right, right. It's so true. That is cool, though. You took your sister there to see golf and stuff. The yes. guys in the movie, when uh, since Cobra Kai, like they they've always had like fans, but because it reached a new audience of like streaming people that like streaming and Netflix, um, it's it's just so cool to see them like have a resurgence. You know, like William Zab- Zabko wasn't doing anything before Cobra Kai, and now he's like all these followers, and he's just it, it's just cool to see like something that. You know, you cherish so much from childhood. It's such a great franchise. Like, have new life breathed into it. Yeah, and they did it right. I mean, I don't know if you've watched the two seasons, but twice. Uh, it's a. I just I like the way they did it. They were still honoring yep. uh, kind of what happened before, and and every once in a while, I feel like they do try to kind of shoehorn in the younger kids. You have to. Um, have to. That's what it's about. But. Um, uh, but yeah, so it, it seemed uh, relatively realistic on kind of what they were trying to do, and definitely and have it Daniel as being the ultimate good guy. I mean, that, when you as, they, as has been well uh, talked about before, is like sometimes he they think he's uh, Daniel is the the bad guy in the Karate Kid for right, and it also uh, yeah, that's been such a debate for so long about he is the bully, and I got to tell you, if you watch Karate Kid with that mind, he is the bully. 
moves in from out of town, hits on another guy's girlfriend, beats him up, has has someone else beat him up, splashes water on him during a Halloween bet. I mean, come on, like that's a bully to me. I don't care. I feel like somebody should mix up the two since uh, Elm Street Two was also shot at that school. That they should somehow work it so they're passing oh, in the hallways yeah. and different. Oh places. yeah. Elm Street 2 was shot there. You've mentioned that before. So um, I know we only have a little bit more time left, but what's going on with this Friday the 13th quiz that you created when you were 14 years old? Oh, my old? gosh. I, t- I already forgot about that. So uh, <laughs> I, I was so detailed just from the shot you took. I, I can't, couldn't believe what I was seeing. I only know where it was because I've just been repacking and packing stuff, and so I, I, I have enough of stuff from each movie. I have, like, a Friday the 13th crate and a Elm Street crate of stuff and I have like six Halloween crates of stuff so I, I knew where it was and I just kind of flipped out and I was like I don't remember I mean hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of questions <laughs> six crates of Halloween stuff yes of that's just pretty Halloween. good uh, memorabilia books um, kind of different things like that but. but the quiz the I just saw a screenshot or a photo you took yeah. of it but it was, I would have failed that quiz, to be honest with you. It was very good. I, I, I would fail it now, probably. But yeah, it was very detailed. Like, you know, how, how many books does so-and-so have in their hands when they're like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah, there were really good questions. It wasn't like, what was Jason's mother's name? It was, uh, you really have to like, it was stuff you don't pay attention to. And it was cool. Um, but, but yeah, so I remember I kind of, I sold it. I mean, I kind of printed it out and stuff like that. So, and I think you saw the cover. And I actually had a machete that I had traced around uh, uh, to to do that cover. Oh, I didn't see the machete. Oh, did I cover? I, th- I thought I sent you the. Maybe I I better go back because that's pretty cool. How old were you when you when you crafted this quiz? Um, so I went through the final chapter. So I must have been 15, 15 years old. That's as far as it went. I saw. Are you ever going to publish these on the set-jetter.com for the world to see? I, I would have to look at it uh, to see. But I did see, I had a big asterisk saying, I, I was even, uh, uh, at that time, I was kind of a well enough saying, if, there's, if you know of any errors or corrections, please let me know. And I thought, yeah, I wasn't acting like I was all that and, and knew all the, <laughs> all the it's answers. It's pretty good. Um, you don't have a merchandise shop. You don't. You don't capitalize off of your ventures with no, anybody. No, I, I don't put any like. I don't. My my uh, website has no ads. I don't want to kind of turn it into uh, to that type of thing. So. I like that you you don't you don't do that. Um, I feel like they always look cheap too. Like the Google ads on stuff, it makes it look like a like a poor man's blog site that's trying to you know like clickbait kind of thing. Yeah, all over the place, and so um, yeah, and maybe I'd get more viewership if I did. I don't know, but um, or yeah, you never know. But I, I don't. I like that you keep it just for the fans, and you're respectful, and you do it for the love of it, as opposed to uh, buy my hat that says Set Dash Jet. Buy it, buy it now, because I've seen a lot of people do that. Not not in the the field that you do it, but yeah, just in general, they start getting a lot of traffic, and next thing you know, like every post they do is. Hey, I got new shirts. Get them now. Only twenty left, and it's like ah, it's starting to get spammy, man. I don't really yeah. not into it. Trying to monetize and stuff like that. So yeah, no. that no, no interest in in doing any of that. Yeah, but this the site is good. You keep it very pure and very like fan friendly and user friendly. Thank you. Um, um, yeah, 
I was looking through my to-do list because you're always like, well, I was like, I wonder what I put on there. Yeah, have, what do we have on there? I have random stuff like um, um, the Terminator Dark Fate, the final scene they shot in L.A. And, and oh, I've never even saw that. It's it's another movie like no, you know, and there's some there's some uh, a lot of a kind of like I've not done Hitchcock yet. Um, I need to do oh, yeah. a, a lot more catch up on uh, Once a Time, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. There's some houses that. And some spot shots. I just haven't gotten time. Span Ranch. I, I I went. I did go out to there where they shot that in a uh, Corriganville Park. Yeah, which is cool that you did that. Um, Wait, you didn't post that though. I don't know if I did. I think I might. Have, I can't hmm. remember. So. I had to go back and check. Maybe you did. You, you shoot so much, Robert. We can't keep up. <laughs> what was the one you said down. before? What was the one you said before that, though? Uh, Hitchcock. Hitchcock, the movie. I think it was just called Hitchcock. Where, with uh, Anthony Hopkins? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that would be cool. So I could get on board with that. that uh, um, and I get mad because like, there'll be places I'm like, oh, that's right. I was like right next to it for a different shot. So when um, oh, uh, yeah. she goes to buy her, uh, his, his wife goes to buy a new swimsuit. Um, is I think it's in the store right next to the, the hardware store from 9 to 5 where they, they buy the garage contraption and stuff like that so oh that's right there yeah so oh. same place in um montrose california so which is oh, just weird cool. kind of out of the way places that are nowhere yeah. near they shot anything else so you do yeah. wonder like, how'd they come up with uh you know if they shoot in a, here in hollywood here whatever and then they go out to uh, long beach for something strange that unnecessarily but i have wondered place. about that before when you do see like the locations and it's all like in Hollywood or one part. And they're like, but they shot the computer store scene uh, in Fairmost, California, outside of San Francisco. And you're like, what happened? Why would, what, what are they doing? Why do they need to? So, right. Um, Interesting. Serious Skin is one of my favorite movies. Um, it was a favorite book of mine by Scott Hine. And Mysterious just, Skin. So, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays the lead in that. So, Oh, nice. He's great. And there's one shot where uh, he's uh, in New York, and I, uh, uh, I think he's supposed to be in Biloxi or somewhere like that. And so they pull up to this apartment, and he kind of looks to his right, and they have a shot of like the subway or something, trying to you know, and they right. come back or whatever. And I'm like, I wonder if that's not New York at all. And sure enough, it's it's in the middle of Los Angeles. So. Oh no way! Yeah, not, it's... not Burbank, not. <laughs> All roads lead here, though, but not all subways. Roads, a lot of roads do lead to Burbank. That, they do. That, that'll, that'll be my uh, autobiography title. All roads it should be. Yeah, all roads lead to Burbank. Or it would be from Omaha to Burbank or Omaha to Ontario or something. I don't know. So you, Burbank is my, I call that my second home. So um, I've stayed in the same hotel and area uh, every time I travel up and since 2008, I think. So, which hotel do you stay at, Burbank? Uh, it's the two Holiday Inn Towers. Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, cool. And probably because it's right next to places to eat and whatever. So uh, when I'm in for the night, I'm in, and you can just walk down the street. Uh, far Fernando. from Flappers Comedy Club and Barney's Beanery. Jurassic Park Lost World. Uh, that was San Diego. Uh, when the T Rex came down. Yes. I love downtown Burbank. It's a cool place. It's no smoking. I think my friend would just stayed out there and. Uh, it's not. Yeah. Uh, 
he uh, I think they corn they they kind of blocked off all the roads so restaurants can open up and uh, let people eat out there. It's cool. I have to let the cat out. Okay. We cat. both have to let cats out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I used to host a show. Uh, it was called Show Your Shorts. It was like a short comedy film. Not not, not a festival, but just screenings of, of short comedy you know, sketches uh, every month at Flappers in Burbank. And it's just such a friendly, like pedestrian-friendly town. The parking's free. In like the garages, um, oh, yeah. the the restaurants are good. It's no smoking. It's um, I don't know. It's just that's that's originally where I wanted to move when I when I was thinking about moving to Los Angeles. I was like, Ah, oh, Burbank would be great. And just the cards stacked up. I moved to the old valley. Um, yeah. Well, but yeah, I just stayed there by count. chance in two thousand eight. To I think I think it was Madonna actually, and uh, or nice. Uh, and then I was I think it was not too long after I think that same trip I did the Halloween's. 30th anniversary convention. Um, yeah, and I just nice. kind of fell in love with the area. And if you're in Burbank, it's literally, it doesn't take too long to get to Pasadena or you're kind of Not at all. close enough on the freeway to get to where you want. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pasadena is another nice one, too. It has old houses. Like, it's got like an old money feel, like a Vanderbilt. There's those houses from the turn of the century there. Um, what makes those cities good is they're not part of LA. They're their own cities. So they're not like, you know, crapping up with like the city sprawl of like the 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 government, the you know, city hall. They they're kind of yeah. their own bubbles, which exactly. works. And it's right next to uh, Griffith Park and the zoo and, and stuff. Yeah. So if I when I go to Hollywood Bowl, I usually park at the zoo and take the bus. Oh yeah, shop, that's smart. Uh, from there, so you don't have to kind of mess with with anything. Have you ever been to the LA Zoo? What's your what's your policy on zoos? Um, I'm kind of anti-zoo. So. Yeah. No, and so Omaha actually has the. It's usually rated the number one zoo in the world, um, which. Omaha Zoo follows me on Twitter. Oh, really? Yeah, I've always been a big like animal guy, and through the algorithms and things, somehow they follow me. Omaha and SeaWorld, and it's not like I'm proud of either of them, but they follow me. So, and I know it, it's I great, it's a great zoo, but um, but yeah, so I've just. I don't like seeing animals, and even even the best of zoos. It's, I'm with you. Yeah, no, animals should not be in a cage, and uh, even in an enclosure, um, as nice as that is, they belong in the wild. And the argument that people do, I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but the argument is, well, they save a lot of species and breed them. It's like, yeah, but they really need to be out in their, you know, we need to protect the areas they live and not yeah. cage them. But I, I do hear like, Omaha is nice. Um uh, like in Denver, I can't remember the name of it. They have uh, I went to where they do have quite a bit of space, and uh, it's mostly, yeah. mostly cats and uh, yeah. lions and tigers and stuff like that. Um, but they have it's. Uh, it, I went on a super hot day, so you can't even see them because they're in their habitat and and in fields and stuff like that. So yeah, it's sad. Uh, LA Zoo is the worst. Um, is it? I mean. <laughs> I, I just mean you have these elephants, and the elephants need lots and lots of space, and they're just kind of miserable. And I was there for this event, brew at the zoo. It's like live band; you drink like craft beers, and the bands are playing next to the elephants, and they're obviously not enjoying it because it's loud music, and it's a hundred degrees, and there's like a lion sweating outside, and you're like, it's just not good. And there's all these guys with like tattoos on their face, like laughing and pointing, and you're like, this animal does not belong here. 
animals like, I hate my life. They do. <laughs> yeah. Where's Freddy when you need him? What? Um, but I do like the Griffith Park Abandoned too. And I don't know if any films were done there, but I'm surprised that more people haven't like shot there. Anchorman there has, has been done there. There has been a few, I know. Um, yeah. Like Anchorman at the end was filmed at the abandoned zoo. Gotcha. But I, but the, but it's just such a cool like free spot. You can just kind of show up. There's nobody there. Yeah. No. It's well, like I said, the Griffith Park. There's always something. I mean, it's it's, it's always bigger than I think it is because there's always some place I have not uh, been to or um, if I'm feeling uh, like I have the ability to do, do a lot of walking and hiking and stuff like I, I would do that. Which I did a big hike, not a big hike. It was for me, uh, for you. Uh, that came out about a year ago. Season two of you on on, on Netflix. Nice. Um, like I think on the helipad area, uh, they shot a scene. as like, and you can only get there by hiking up. You know, going up all the roads. And, but it was it was worth it. Definitely, we gotta hit it up. Um, I got a drone, a film drone for my birthday. Mm-hmm. I haven't used it yet. I want to. I want to get it ready for your trip, and I want to. I want that to be the maiden voyage. Maybe the last voyage. Maybe we'll crash it. <laughs> but it's a drone you can attach a camera to and like fly yeah. around and film it. We should do something with that. Well, I do think about that because you know you'll see different shots of that I have like and even in uh, Unbreakable, and the camera is you know up. Through, yeah. And I'm like, well, I can't replicate that. I'm like. Yeah, I, drone, it, it, you do. You do a pretty close job though, even without a drone. Even in some of the Predator Two ones, and you mentioned the Unbreakable. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street, the Venice Canal. You you do get pretty, it gets pretty close even without some kind of elevation. Elevation. <laughs> it it works, but it, it's a good job. Um, you mentioned Omaha. Uh, it, they're trying to get more like filming out there. Is there an interest for like residents of that area? Are, are a lot of people like in favor of that to get more people filming there? I think people would like. I mean, I think they recognize. Um, and I'll get when we get past COVID that it brings yeah. dollars in. I mean, we yeah. bring a um, uh, a film crew. You, you know, you're you're not bringing in ten people. You're bringing in a hundred people that need hotels and that you know, like they're they're spending money. And so um, I think people kind of recognize that it's kind of worth that. So and the, the in Fremont, the, the group is working on a couple things that I can't discuss, but. Uh, it could be kind of a potential game changer for the area to attract more people. So I think COVID kind of threw a wrench into obviously a lot of productions and kind of yeah. stalled out uh, um, some some things. But I think it'll be interesting if True. we end up going back to. We, I wonder if we, uh, because of COVID, if we move back to more independent films, uh, where we're putting smaller dollar amounts uh, into films to, for to get quantity. <laughs> out there um i, Could I don't be. Know necessarily help theaters but uh, we need content definitely need content right now and it's interesting you see a lot of films that have resumed production or plan to resume it and then they shut down again and you know i think now we just got to wait till this passes uh it's just not working no and it makes me nervous and then i think some of the soap operas i saw some they're acting Outbreaks. Like mannequins and uh, it's bad. Kissing plexiglass and stuff like that. But it's it's just bad. I I, I don't know. There the, there were stills for Mission Impossible eighteen or whatever number they're on now. Yeah. With Tom Cruise in Venice, and it just looks so ridiculous because 
you know, he, he looks great for his age and he's running, but everyone has a mask on and it's just him and some Venice Canal, like old building with a mask. And then he takes it off to fight with like some stunt person and it, it just looks so weird. Like they're just forcing it. Like how safe can that be to have, be shooting overseas right now? Like, yeah. And how it's just bizarre. How much are we willing to risk for entertainment? Not that. Like, I think it's best to put the brakes on or shoot it in front of a green screen at that point. It's just bizarre that they're filming. This is like two weeks ago. I saw this article, Entertainment Tonight, I think it was. They're, uh, yeah, they're just filming like another Mission Impossible on location in Venice with, the, with like a whole crew there. And they all get COVID tested and have masks, yeah. but it just doesn't seem worth it. It doesn't seem worth it to do another Mission Impossible movie at this point, but that's just me. They I mean, come on. How many can we do? Blur together with pictures. There was the first two, and then eventually, like you said, they they all kind of seem the same to me. I, it's kind of like I can't tell the the difference between them. Like, is that Ghost Protocol or is that I don't know Ghost Recon? I don't know. I, I've seen the first two. I think that's it. To me, they're like uh, the Jason Bournes. Like the first two or three are okay, and they did one with Jeremy Renner, and they brought uh, Matt Damon back, and it's like. They're just trying to be James Bond. Who's your favorite James Bond, Robert? Um, you know, I we, we might have talked oh, about. Oh, I, I know who it is. You yeah. mentioned this. It's Roger I, Moore. I, Roger Moore was the one I first saw. So, um, but like my, I came from a. My dad was very much into James Bond, and so Sean Connery was uh, was his. So we 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 grew up with all the James Bond and the James Bond theme blasting through it so i missed the trip um uh two years ago or last last year a year and a half ago to uh to london with my family i had have a emergency gallbladder surgery but uh, oh, wow still go but they went to the james bond museum and then they took the james bond location tour and i was like so jealous that they got to yeah. go to some of those places Miss Penny. uh when i'll go back i'll to or go one day I feel like Moonraker needs to be on the set Jetter location. I don't know what that would look like. I don't know. You know, I, Lois Childs is in that, and she's like one of my favorite actresses. Yeah, she is. Um, and she, um, and I don't know, like, and she's been in some, uh, it, it's a movie called Twister, not the 1996 one, but a, a small uh, independent film called Twister with Chris Glover that she's in. It has one of my favorite performances by her. But she, uh, the oh. other thing, I don't know if it's, I think it was a cut scene uh, from one of the Austin Powers movies where she played a henchman's wife. And uh, the, I think for some reason, I think it was a cut scene. So, you know, henchmen just die all the time. Um, yeah. So they show her, you know, a henchman dies or whatever. And they cut to her in the kitchen doing something. And, and the phone rings. She goes, hello. And I don't know if they show the other end, but she goes, I am see, you know, they're telling her her husband died because he's one of the hench, you know, one of these <laughs> nameless people or whatever. And I just, it was one of my favorite scenes because there's like, you know, people, Mission Impossible, they, all these random, no yeah. 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 people die all the time. And they kind of showed, oh, here's what happens when one of those people die. <laughs> it's it's a real person. And, uh, uh, and she was chosen probably because she was a Bond girl. That's so uh, funny. Uh, yeah, I'll have to find that clip, but it was just one of my favorite moments. I wish I saw it. It had to be a deleted scene. I think so, yeah. I'd have to see it. Um, those are cool too, and I, I do I do like that. Austin Powers kind of touches on that, like well, you don't even have a name tag, so you don't even have a chance, and no speaking lines. 
because in these movies you're talking about like you know Bond's knocking out like twenty to thirty people in some movies, yeah. and it's just whatever, you know, it's just crazy. Yeah, Mainless they, they can, these same people complain about Jason killing eight kids, and next theater over they're fine. Yeah, with with Bond killing you know fifty people, right? Uh, no problem. I do I do like animal rights groups where like Braveheart. You can kill like a million guys; it's no problem. But if like one horse gets injured on screen, they're like, "Shut the movie down. Let's get people in here." You know, <laughs> it's, it's cool. Uh, I do enjoy the nameless henchmen though, because they're just kind of like, and I and I do like in films if it's a martial arts scenes like in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or any you know any martial arts movie, where rather than all of the ninjas attacking at once, they dance around in a threatening manner. Waiting for them to be dispatched one by one. Like they don't, if they just jumped in at once, they'd win. That's it. But instead, they wait until their their predecessor is done being knocked out, and then they go in. There's like thirty to one, and they all just like dance around. I know what's the uh, Star Wars film, The Last Jedi. Was that the kind of the middle one? I think they um, uh, somebody kind of did a shot by shot of those scenes where the, the red guards or whatever, and like literally they are. Like you said, doing stuff, waiting for their turn to be flipped over, and it's always the worst. And you do think about them and other henchmen. I'm like, these are probably the lowest paid guys. Oh yeah, <laughs> are yeah. They, are they really putting their life on the line for They're, right? Are they really doing this for this one guy? It's so funny. I just love that they just dance around in a threatening manner, waiting, and then they jump in. I think it was uh, the Dark Knight too, or the Dark Knight. I think it was the Dark Knight that they also. Had oh a, yeah, a guys getting. Into, fake punched out and just falling. Yeah, and when Batman, like, makes his way into the, uh, you know, towards the end of the movie when the Joker's in, like, the high-rise and they all yeah. kind of just, like, wait one by one to go after him. It's like, just just get him. Like, you're all there. Like, this will be easy if you did some teamwork. He's not but they don't do big. it. Come on. Right. He's a real man. Um, I think I think that's going to be our time for tonight. Is there anything else you wanted to, uh, wanted to bring up and discuss, Mr. Patterson? I don't think so i think this was another solid uh solid set jetter saturday always good to chat with you always a pleasure and don't forget like list- jealousies uh when you you posted you were in the burbank area i was like oh it's my town it was actually a green screen robert i was okay <laughs> next door in the alley in tarzana we're just trying to make it seem like i was there uh when you come here though we'll have to go uh drive around Burbank a little bit. Absolutely, yeah. We'll drive all over the place. It's a great place. Um, we'll drive all over the place, we'll get some good shots, and we'll do a live show. and It'll be fun. Don't forget, to, uh, listeners, to check out Robert's work at set-jetter.com and on Instagram at the set Is it the set jetter or set jetter? I just call it set jetter, but the set at- jetter makes... I don't know, that sounds kind of pretty pompous, I don't know. Well, you are the set jetter. There's a lot of people trying to fake the funk. I just want to make sure I'm, I haven't been saying it wrong all this time. Like the Last Jedi. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that was a little pretentious. But... The Last Jedi. <laughs> kind of like when Michael Jackson, when the year he passed, and they came out with This Is It. And my friend Dan and I would just say, no, no, this is not it. This marketing ploy is going to go on for years to milk whatever they can out of the Jackson estate. Yes. This is it. Nope, it's just the beginning. Exactly. Um, yeah, they, well, that would go on and on and on, just like, well, just like every other major uh, celebrity, their, their states go. Just keep on and on indefinitely for that. Like Elvis. By the way, what did you think of this? Is it? Are you a Michael Jackson fan? No, I never really was. I mean, no. 
I, I have my Michael Jackson trading cards. I know I, only because I can't really? cross them. Yeah. <laughs> you still have them? I still do. I still, it's amazing. And probably because I keep going to keep them. I'm still amazed at the amount of stuff that I still have. Um, and some stuff had, had been in my, my parents' house probably over the years. And, and now it's kind of moved over here. But, um, but like the Friday 13 quiz book, I'm like, I, I don't throw anything away, I guess. I don't know Good. if I, I'm a hoarder, but um, some stuff uh, I probably should. I found some other Friday the 13th kind of fan magazines that people used to make. And really? Sequels, like, will there, will there be another one, man? <laughs> you got to hold on to those, though. Oh, yeah. Well, and and it goes back to, you know, does it spark joy? I'm like, yeah, it still does. It, I mean, I yeah. it up and it reminds me of like, oh, yeah, I do remember what it was like to uh, kind of be in that time. One of my favorite things, uh, things that I've kept since I was a kid, as, as cheesy as it sounds, is like merchandise from a particular franchise of that era, no matter how cheesy it is. Like, I still have Ninja Turtle um, kind of like comics and magazines and spinoff books that were just licensed because they were the movie was doing so well. They're just like, put it on everything. Yes. You know, um, they're just they're just fun to like revisit and go back like stickers and video games that it's just like the amount of Dick Tracy and Ninja Turtles crap I have from the like from ninety to ninety three is insane. But they're like fun to like revisit and go through them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And there's um, and there's a few early childhood toys that I still have, like my Bionic Woman. Um, Do doll. you really? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Something. From the movie? No, the the, tele- the, the television I showed. Yeah. I mean, that was like an official merchandise product. Yeah. You should keep that. That's cool. Um, there's, there's a couple of things. Flip Wilson doll. I don't know why I had that. <laughs> really? Yeah, you got to like find this, it. So there was that soft plush doll, and it was him on one side, and you the other side was him in drag. And I got to find this right now. You're going to find the Flip Wilson doll. Flip You'd pull Wilson the string, doll. and it would have... Um, it was it a talking doll? Yeah. It's very scary looking. <laughs> well, it's like this big. Yeah, it's about about this big. So. Oh, I was picturing this little like action yeah, oh, figure. No, it was like one of those soft, hard, soft plush uh, kind of. It looks like a wrestling buddy from back oh, in the day. Yeah, so it was kind oh, of. That's pretty cool though. Yeah, so there's some of those things, and like I think we talked about ViewMasters 3D and and uh, stuff that I, I've been whittling it down a little bit, but I'll be selling off some. I think more wardrobe and props that I've had. To, I collected over the years too, just to make some space. Are you? Yeah, not the Flip I'm, Wilson doll. I hope. Not. I'll, I'll continue to hold on to that. But, but there's films like um, now I can't remember the like it won't sell for much. Uh, it was a Joseph Gordon-Levitt film. Uh, uh, Christmas. It was a Christmas film. It was like with Seth Rogen and I can't remember the name of it. Huh. We'll keep a lookout for that. So I'll. Where do you sell these at on eBay? I just put it on eBay. Yeah, yeah, it's the best way way to do it. Get rid of stuff. I think that's the only way to do it. eBay. Yeah. For for, for private people, that it's not a business where you're just trying to like. Like yeah. eBay's still king with that stuff. It is. If I had, if you have like a high ticket item, then you would kind of consign it to I think. Uh, yeah. Somewhere to. to yeah, like an auction house or something like that. I've sold a lot of stuff on eBay. Um, not a lot, but you know, I've sold like maybe ten things last year. Uh, did like baseball cards that were collectors, or um, some autograph stuff. And people are assholes on there. They really like get into it. 
Yeah. And they ask a lot of questions. And you're like, yo, man, this is what it is. Can you take another picture and like show me what this looks like? No, no, what you see is what you get. Buy it or not. And uh, I put a train set up there that I had from the 1920s. And I thought it was going to be worth like 10 grand. But I took it to a specialty shop. And the guy's like, I'll give you 600 for it. I was like, nope, holding on to it. You know, I was so let down. I thought I had this gold mine. Yeah. It, it didn't happen. It wasn't worth that much. You just never know. So um, with my move, and I put stuff um, over the past couple of months on eBay. And so um, I, I made about $3,000 on different. Oh, that's a lot of money off that. But it's always kind of the weird stuff. Like I didn't expect for it to sell, you know. Like what? Space. Um, like one was, and it was actually a Halloween thing because I'm like, I have all these Michael Myers figures and stuff like that. There's literally, they just sit in a box and I don't do anything with them. And so there was one that had um, a little young Michael Myers and adult Michael Myers and a pumpkin. And I was like, I'm never going to put this out, you know. And actually the, the uh, box was even opened because I did get them out once and stuff like that. So I think that went for like $250. I'm like, wow. Um, That's crazy. It is crazy. To think. That's awesome though. Hey, if you're a fan and you need something, to complete your collection or it's something you have to have people pay a lot of money yeah um, i would pay a lot of money for a blank the blank action figure from the dick tracy set um nobody's ever like really seen one i think they only sold them in canada for a few years but it was like the only one i need and to this day if somebody had one or i saw one i'd i'd, I'd probably spend upwards of like 300 bucks for it yeah well it does get and then i turn around and i see stuff i'm like oh i need that now um but right I, <laughs> I need that now. Yeah. And every once in a while I do sell something and then later I'm like, oh, I wish I would not have, but buyer's remorse. It 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 is uh yeah, some seller's remorse when I kind of uh have Oh, that. yeah. Oh, you're talking about you you wish you didn't let some things yeah. go that you have? Yeah. Got it. Um but anyway, and part of it is like if I haven't seen this in years, why am I missing it now? But it is what it is. I I yeah, I've sold I get that. I've sold some stuff too where people call and go uh, yeah, I'm kind of interested. I can you just write down the serial numbers and send it to me? And and I'm like, it's not stolen. You know, it's like obviously a cop. And I'm like, it's not. Yes, I, I certainly will. But this is not like a stolen item. You know, I, I always can tell those people. Like, I saw like a car stereo once. They're like, I need the manufacturer number off the bottom. I was like, okay. All right. It's like, not <laughs> yours. It's weird. Um. Anyway, I encourage listeners to go to set-jetter.com. Check out Robert's work and also follow him on Instagram at Set Jetter. He posts quite frequently. It's always fun. It's always exciting. As are Set Jetter Saturday. Um, Robert, thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Always good to chat with you. It's always good to chat with you and hope to do another show with you soon. Thank you for all you do. Have a good night. Robert Patterson, everybody. Check out all the shows for free on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, YouTube, Roku, and Pandora. Good night and Godspeed.